right, man. Welcome to the introduction for Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This will be episode 102. Jason Lingren is with me, and we will have a guest today, Matt Landwin, uh, which many of you will remember from past episodes. Matt will be here to talk about uh, what's, I guess, called geoengineering at this point. And there's a lot of people with opinions out there around the idea of geoengineering. So many people who say, look up over your head, it's self-evident, and a lot of other people who would argue in the opposite direction. Uh, what we're going to do when we get in with Matt is we're going to show flat out what officialdom is talking about with regard to these ideas and talk about things like the amount of sun that is being allowed to transmit, the idea of global warming, and many other things. Uh, as we culminate with Matt, we'll begin to get into the 5G networks. Uh, Matt will assert that there is a relationship between 5G networks and what he is going to talk about. And Jason and I will close out the second hour covering the electrical grid, which is a very, very interesting thing uh, indeed. Jason goes back through the history of how we got the electrical grid, but the one thing that stunned me as I did the research here uh, for the second hour is that almost everywhere you go, it is stated outright that the electrical grid in the United States of America is vulnerable. And the more you read about it, you think to yourself, how could something that is so crucial to living in any semblance of a modern way uh, left as vulnerable? And we will cover these things, even going back through the ideas of what a man who supposedly lived named Tesla, brought to the table, and then his adversary, what he brought to the table. And I think everyone knows who I'm talking about here. Anyhow, it's a very interesting episode, and Matt does a heck of a job. And these are not easy things to talk about all the time. Usually when you bring up topics like this, emotion gets the best of people, and we endeavor to have an adult, higher-minded conversation here to cover not only what researchers have been finding, but what officialdom has to say about what is happening in our sky above our heads. Anyhow, there it is. Let's jump in with 102 and do an intro with Jason, and then we'll have Matt on the stage shortly. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is episode 102. I have Jason Lindgren with me, and we will be introducing a guest in a moment. Welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. So, are we in spring yet? It doesn't feel like it where I'm at. It's been wet, and we actually had another snow, man. How's it where you're at? Pretty good, actually. A nice, pleasant morning. All right, let's knock out our intro thing so we can get our guest in the door. Uh, what do you have for the intro? Not much other than I'm having some serious computer woes right now. The computer I normally do all the work on for the podcast and the film shut itself off and won't turn itself back on. So I'm dealing with a huge issue and I'm looking to get a much more powerful iMac Pro to uh, handle all the duties. Right, and that's a royal pain in the butt because I had just transferred you many gigabytes of files um, to start going into the movie edit. Um, anyhow, anything more you want to edit? I've got a few places I've been that I'll, I'll announce. Go for it. All right, so this week I did a YouTube live stream with a channel called Sun and Moon Family United. It's probably about three or four clips back on that channel. Uh, again, I did MIGMAG, M-I-G-M-A-G, MIGMAG. Uh, there's a, a an interview I did with him there posted. And I talked with Sage of Quay. I believe in the next day or two he's putting out the interview I did with him. Anyhow, anything else, Jason? I think we're good to go. All right, let's get our guest in here. Uh, as many of you who have followed, remember Matt Landman may be one of the busiest activists um, that we're aware of that is out there fighting, well, let's call it, weather modification, uh, for lack of a better term. Anyhow, welcome, Matt. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Right on. So, you know, it's a funny thing, Matt. Back uh, near the turn of the millennium, I was filming all these planes, leaving these weird trails in the sky and trying to point it out to everybody. And we were being told by officialdom that we probably should put down the crack pipe, that those were just contrails. But that narrative has changed, hasn't it? Indeed, it has. Indeed, it has. Uh, when I first set off to make my film, Frankenskies, I thought I was going to be making a film telling people to look up and wake up. I never thought I'd be directing their attention to the official narrative that's now ongoing. Right. So, I mean, at some point here recently, they just kind of switched over from the we're not doing this to we're absolutely doing this, but we can't stop. Isn't it something like that? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. They say if we start, we can't stop, but we've actually started behind your backs. You're welcome. Did they actually, when they came out with this kind of new stance where, yeah, we're doing this, did they ever did they ever attach a date with when it began? Did, it, did any official narrative ever come out around when this actually officially began? Well, one year ago, I was just looking through my notes yesterday, one year ago, almost to the day, is when they officially announced that they would be launching the program officially, publicly, with federal funding. Now, they haven't gone back and said when their, quote, field research began, but there are hints in the publications that field re research has been ongoing. I just pulled up an article yesterday that was explaining um, how we can save ourselves from global warming. And it was funny, the narrative, how it's shifted in the narrative, instead of saying we could use atmospheric aerosols from jets and this and that, and Harvard has an idea, instead of saying we could, they say a cure for global warming would be to increase, to increase the stratospheric aerosol injection spraying. And then there's just a link to the Harvard review talking about their program. All right. So people understand and that we're actually doing what we should be doing here. Why don't you inform people officially the official narrative of what they're doing and why they're doing it? Well, what they're doing and why they're doing it is all shrouded in secrecy. But we as informed people living on Earth, human beings, it seems like we have to take science and all these other things into our own hand, especially discernment. So what they're doing publicly is they're trying to normalize an agenda to use atmospheric aerosols from jets and balloons to shroud our skies. The claim is by the powers that be, this solar geoengineering governance regime, a self-proclaimed regime established last May in Chicago. The claim is that the need for Earth is to launch a full-scale deployment. It's being termed a Mount Pinatubo effect, which kind of, the, the, the reference of calling it a volcano, it makes it sound a little more innocent, even though volcanoes kill people. But the thing is, is volcanoes erupt all the time. And so they're trying to say, we just want to mimic one of those volcanoes. No big deal. Mount Pinatubo erupted in 91. It shrouded all of the earth with all the sulfuric dust. And supposedly, according to, quote, science, the global mean temperature on earth declined one degree Celsius. How you can determine that the global mean temperature declined in 1991 without any interference from people that are being paid off to provide this, quote, science, I, you know, I, I can't even tell you. But either way, the claim is that after this research experiment that's upcoming in Tucson, where the primary solar geoengineer, the puppet by the name of David W. Keith, his plan is to go up in a high-tech balloon and spray different nanoparticulate aerosols, aluminum, 
um, sulfur, microscopic nanoparticulate mirrors, <laughs> diamond dust. There's all these things that they claim that they're going to spray, but they just happen to be experimenting with variable sizes of nanoparticulate aerosolized aluminum. And the plan, they claim, if their research experiment works this year in Tucson, <clears throat> is to see which chemicals work best so that they can launch their full-scale deployment so that they can spray everywhere on Earth all at once and charge us for it and say, you're welcome, we're saving you from global warming. But if you really look into the details, this seems to probably going to cause, guess what? Global warming, climate change, all these things are going to happen from their project, from this cloud layer they want to create. They, they will create a greenhouse effect, and then there will be actual exacerbated heating on Earth, and we'll be stuck in their Hegelian dialectic where, where their problem is actually our solution. So before I kick this back to Jason for a bit, let me ask you a two-part question here. Firstly, um, how do we properly refer to this? There have been all kinds of terms like chemtrails or weather modification. All these terms have been bandied about. Um, so the first part of the question is, how do we properly refer to what we're talking about here? And the second part is all the information and the doing of this coming out of certain areas of the country. Well, in terms of, and thanks for the questions, I'm happy to answer them. In terms of the verbiage, the terminology, we have been duped. We have been tricked into this frame debate where we're debating the terms. We're debating, is it geoengineering? Is it chemtrails? Is it contrails? And while that controlled dialogue with controlled opposition, with civil society actors, with staged media, with controlled media, all these people are trained to literally salivate at these different terms. You say the word geoengineering and they say, oh, wow, that's the best thing I've ever heard of. Science is going to save us. But you say chemtrails and people are angry and upset because you, how dare you speak of a conspiracy theory? OK, there's these things that are the exact same thing. And you do your research and you find out that there's stratospheric aerosol injections. This is referred to publicly you know, by the CIA. There's stratospheric aerosol injections, there's solar radiation management, there's the TAP program. The tropospheric aerosol program in 2001 launched by the Department of Energy, it details the entire budget of this agenda. You know, the tropospheric aerosol program, that's what I would love to refer to, but it's there's so many terms. The SPICE program, the stratospheric particle injections for climate engineering, and then even through NASA, there's the CARE program, the charged aerosol release experiment. Ultimately, I think that we all kind of need to get on board and just use the word geoengineering for now because evidently if we use the word chemtrails, we get sensitive people. But as the narrative gets pushed into the normalization, this is what we're going to be doing publicly. You know, I'm just sticking to playing their game. I hosted the, my first two conferences, global conferences. I called them the Global Chemtrail Summit. But now on May 12th, I'm hosting the opposition to this um, release to this balloon experiment, the opposition is called the summit to stop geoengineering. So I'm just using their verbiage for now, just so I can get to the masses and get to the people who have never heard of it because they've already been mind controlled and pre-programmed to get really upset. If you have the audacity to use the word chemical trail. And then the second question, as far as <clears throat> where it seems like a lot of this program is being unraveled in the state of Arizona. I moved my family down here from Vancouver, Canada, at the opportunity to raise enough awareness, hopefully, before we run out of time, because we're up against a timeline now where the full-scale deployment of launching chemtrails everywhere on Earth and 
and eliminating white skies, pardon me, eliminating blue skies everywhere on earth, whitening your sky for the rest of your lifetime. We're on the verge of this convenient reality. We're, we're a couple years out from this. And because this experiment through David Keith is happening in Tucson, and because of all of this campaign unfolding in Arizona, I moved to Arizona so that I could host the opposition to it all. It seems that it, just a handful of people seem to have been just paid off to control this entire narrative where the first idea of even blocking out the sun with space mirrors back in 2009, and it was a University of Arizona professor in Tucson. And then come to find out now they have other ideas of spraying the sky or the media is pushing these other ideas to normalize it through our mental constructs that have already been built through the controlled media. The next idea that's being spoon-fed to the public to make us feel like that we're even thinking about it and making our own decisions and that this is okay with us the next idea is to spray table salts in the atmosphere. But again, this is out of a guy from Tucson who has no accreditation in, in geoengineering or climate sciences or anything like that. And so you've got each and every aspect of the terminology of the narrative being bounced through just a couple professors or, or not even professors in the state of Arizona. Meanwhile, we've got a 5G being rolled out in, in Arizona as the first state to go 5G statewide, and all the towers are being put up, and all of this rolls into keeping the nanoparticulates in the sky with the use of frequency. And then we've got this experiment in Tucson rolling out where a high-tech balloon is going to spray the skies and see how much sunlight we can block to launch full-scale deployment. It's, it's atrocious, and I think that Arizona is not the place to pick to do this because there's a lot of awake and aware people that are informed and empowered, and they're not going to stand for all this. So, Matt, let me kick this over to Jason. Jason, I'm going to sit here and pretend while you speak for a little bit here uh, that my skies are just as blue as they were back in the 80s. So why don't you go ahead and go at this for a minute? You know, it's funny. You said uh, salivate earlier. It makes me think of the whole Pavlov's dogs thing. Right. You, you ring the bell and the dogs salivate, right? <laughs> so, Matt, what I would like to ask about is this David Keith individual the things I've seen on him, he seems like a very dangerous man. He's got that googly, wild-eyed look to him, and he seems to be leading the charge on that. I kind of picture him with a saber on a retarded horse standing at the front of the line leading this for the public. So I'd like to hear whatever you can say about him and, and explain what his role is. Okay, well, David Keith has somehow become the uh, front-line puppet who, yeah, he's got that those googly eyes. He may be under some sort of mind control, but yes, he is evidently the guy. So if you want to talk about solar geoengineering and getting the sun completely blocked out or this ongoing field research that we've been witnessing for a couple of decades now that some refer to as <gasps> chemtrails, well, this is the guy because he not only has the patents but he is also part of this thing called the Royal Society, and they have this patent pool on the technology. And also he has a carbon capture company that has the patents on the carbon capture technology. So all the while we're being told we need to block out our sun because of our carbon emissions, because how could we exhale? How could we drive our cars? You know, well, he's the one that's also going to profit from 
capturing that carbon, that carbon remediation technology as well. So ultimately, if you really want to get into his head and say, why, how could he, why? It's greed and money and power and corruption. But behind him, we have a group of globalists, including but not limited to Mr. Bill Gates, who funds this project. Bill Gates has been referred to as the sugar daddy of the solar geoengineering movement. So if you watch my film, Frankenskies, we get really deep into who this David W. Keith character is out of um, Calgary, Canada. And then he's now a professor of solar geoengineering at Harvard. But everything he does is full of holes. He comes out with research papers saying he has the cure. But then deep in it, they say it's only research and that they have no idea what it does in the field, which is our skies. And also he claims no conflict of interest. Well, I could talk about that for an entire show. This man's entire career depends upon the adoption of this technology that he's pushing and that we don't know enough about because the narrative the dialogue, the debate is being completely controlled. We do not have unbiased media anymore. And this is part of the demands that humanity must ask for if we're going to get into a future where we get to dictate whether or not we have poisonous air to breathe or sunlight to have our crops grow. So this guy, David Keith, he's the he's the front runner. He's the guy in the parade leading these groups of, of supposed people who want to block out our son. I mean, I don't see any support for it aside from him and his controlled dialogue and the controlled narrative, but he's been interviewed on various shows talking about it. And he is he's full of double speak and he's always back talking hypocritical, like taking back the facts that he's presented five minutes earlier. But, but at the end of the day, what is his story? He wants to spray our skies and whiten them to quote, save the future of humanity. They have, they claim they have the exclusive rights to saving the planet through geoengineering patents. This is a Northwestern University document that came out right before they met at Northwestern to establish their regime, the self-proclaimed solar geoengineering governance regime. They've already put in a regime intact to govern this operation globally. So the time to act and to debate with this character is immediately – and if we let this experiment unfold in Tucson where they determine that nanoparticulate aluminum is the best option for spraying our skies to taking away our sun, to taking away our children's future, then we've lost our chance to speak. Very interesting. I'd like to ask what uh, his background is, where he came from, and how he got involved in all this. But first, I'd like to bring up, especially to you, Crow, did you hear about an active shooter at YouTube yesterday? The actual building? No, was that in the news? Did they actually call it an active shooter in the news? Yes, they did. Well, I guess we know all we need to know about that, so let's just move on, Pavlov. That's all we need to say about that, right? Yes, yes, indeed. So, Matt, what's up with this David Keith guy? Like, how did he get involved in this? Who is he as far as his background? Because, obviously, he's playing with the big boys of uh, the evilarchy out there. So, what's up with him? Well, I figure that they were able to pull him over to – I mean, this is a plan that's been unfolding for quite some time. You know, the Department of Energy, if you really look at it from a greed perspective, they just don't want solar energy to proliferate so that their coal and their dirty energy and their oil companies can thrive. If you get curious and you want to see how controlled the narrative has been, all the while we're talking about geo 
engineering contrails and chemtrails. This document, the Tropospheric Aerosol Program from the Department of Energy 2001, if you just look up that PDF, Tropospheric Aerosol Program, DOE, it unravels the entire agenda from the budget from how much money they're going to spend not getting caught implementing the program to what drones are going to be put where to how the different plumes of chemicals mix together. This 99-page document from 2001, right before 9-11, right before we had the biggest distraction of our lives, it unfolds the entire agenda. So I'm sure prior to this unfolding of all this budget that they put into this to take control of our everything, they found this character this guy out of Calgary, David W. Keith, they put him over in Harvard and say, you're going to lead this solar geoengineering program in, at Harvard. So he's going around teaching these classes in Harvard saying, look, we have this research where we can block out your son. But all the while, he is their front man. You know, they, There's no one to point the finger at except for him because he's the one in their front line. They don't want all their other names attached to it because they don't want their pocketbooks to be scrutinized. You know, a lot of money's going into this. And as Bill Gates announces that he's building a smart city in the outskirts of Phoenix and Tucson in the desert of Arizona, we've got a smart city being put up. We've got the solar geoengineering normalization campaign through the initial launch of solar geoengineering happening in Tucson with this balloon experiment this year, 2018. And then my opposition movement, the conference that I'm hosting May 12th, you can find out about that at StopGeoengineeringTucson.com. It explains the different speakers and the protests we're going to be having the next day and all, all that, and even the links to his claim that, that this experiment is for our own good. Well, as this all unravels and the 5G gets launched, and even the 5G has already been launched in Tucson, I went down to Tucson with my microwave radiation meters, and usually these things go off when I get near a smart meter or go off when I'm right next to um, a giant cell tower. The meter was going off the entire duration of my visit to Tucson last time I went. I was down for three days, and the meter didn't stop until it ran out of batteries. So that entire city is now being irradiated with 5G radiation as they launch it full scale to the entire statewide and then the entire country. We're all in a Petri dish, and we're all part of this experiment. And if we don't start to question and scrutinize and ask for transparency we're going to we're we're literally going to run out of time. If you look this weasel in the eyes and see that he's completely brainwashed, this David W. Keith, how could we actually trust him with the quality of our air quality? How could we trust him with our weather and our skies and whether or not we get sunlight? So Matt, do you get the sense that um, this is being driven more by private corporations that have more money than God, or is it more about government and officialdom? Is it a mix of both? How would you characterize uh, the driving engine behind this? Well, it's a small group of globalists that have unlimited resources. So you've got Bill Gates, and then you've got his group of globalists that have their patent pools you know it's also private industry it's also the department of energy all right these are like the, the darkest elements and then it's the black ops the black ops military budget they're in the united states today and i and i excuse me for using any terminology to refer to um david keith i'm sure i'm sure 
we can not refer to him with any words that describe animals or rodents or anything like that. So I'll, I'll refrain. So the thing that we need to sink our teeth into is in a post 9-11 society, the checks that get written, they go to black ops. No one knows where that money is actually going. There's a whole top secret black ops, black budget that all this money gets funneled into. Meanwhile, there's a covert, rogue, treasonous element within our military, within that black ops budget, that has proliferated in the secrecy of a post-9-11 society. So we've got military, so there's a military aspect to it, and then people say, how, how could they? Those are our own people, and I'll tell you how. It's indoctrination, it's compartmentalization, and it's a need-to-know basis. And the powers that be have gotten so good at this programming that people just think that they're just doing their job, they're answering to their superior, and they think, and then ultimately if they catch wind that they're blocking out the sun to save us from global warming, they actually think that they're doing a good thing because they're mind controlled in one way or another. So then you've got the Department of Energy. Imagine how much money all those coal and oil companies have to gain control of our sunlight to make sure that solar energy doesn't proliferate and to make sure that they are in charge. And then as it all unravels and you ask, what is being sprayed? How are they controlling the weather? It all comes full circle right back to the Department of Energy. You've got moisture plumes being released from the network of power plants in the United States to aid in the weather modification program. That's all a really neat piece of the puzzle. You've got the ash being from the coal that's being burned. This soot, it's toxic. It should be put in a bladder and disposed of underground like they're told to do. But instead, it's refined and the nanoparticulate metallics, the nanoparticulate cadmium, titanium, strontium, barium, aluminum, all this stuff is refined from the coal burning process and it is put in the aerosolized chemical sprays that we've been witnessing for decades. So the byproduct of the coal dirty industry is being sprayed in the skies. Also, the moisture being released from the power plants at selective times to aid in storms like Harvey and all these things. This is all being put into the agenda to, to orchestrate this entire program. So you've got that, the Department of Energy. But then with this, I mean, we've got so many different aspects because the Federal Reserve, all the different money being filtered everywhere. You've got private industries with these huge checks. We don't even know where the money's coming from. The Pentagon's losing now trillions and trillions of dollars. We don't know where that money's going. You've got NASA. They've got their black budget, but then their public budget is $52 million per day. NASA has $52 million per day, and they publicly research in our skies. They claim to use the, quote, they use the atmosphere as a laboratory. They spray nanoparticulate aluminum, barium, strontium in the sky. They make noctilucent clouds, a new cloud name just for the NASA research. And these ionized radioactive clouds, they make them over places like Washington, D.C. and Virginia publicly. And then they normalize it through the media saying, oh, you see those colorful clouds? That's just NASA you, trace, using trace chemicals to experiment with this and that. No. They, they are part of it. They have $52 million a day, and they spray us with that money. I don't trust them. Operation Paperclip, you look into that. You look into the war criminals that were used to create NASA. There's, the operation goes it, – it, it's 
it's wide reaching and it's not just the coal companies. It's not just NASA. There's so many different agencies complicit in this that it's daunting. So, Matt, um, do you get the sense that there are any people in positions that matter uh, that are opposed to this? Do you get any sense that other than the grassroots organizations, people like yourself, that there are other groups that are opposed to what's going on here? Well, as people start to wake up, everyone is getting on board slowly but surely, but they're bumping up against the their peers. They're bump, bumping up against the normalization of it through the media and even their cognitive dissonance. The different politicians and people that I know that have spoken up, a lot of them have been silenced. Some of them are facing neurological disorders or even they are um, mysteriously disappearing. But ultimately, the movement is still very small, still very grassroots. And aside from any opposition that seems to be controlled, it's it's really just right now me and my peers and those that are willing to finally wake up and speak for themselves and speak their truths and tell their friends and families that something is actually going on. So, Matt, I'm curious about a few things. The first one I'd like to ask when you brought up NASA, is there anything in the rocket fuel from all the launches between NASA and SpaceX and all the other ones that might actually contribute to the geoengineering program? I don't think that it's put in the rocket fuel necessarily. I have done research on additives to things like the JP-8 jet fuel and what have you. But if you look into the patents, the patents tend to tell the stories because technology is patented once they have the technology, once they have it in place, not when it's in an experimental phase or anything like that. So if you go back to even the mid-70s, you've got barium release rockets patented by NASA and these rockets are still being utilized today. Now, it's not the rockets that, that we envision where they go straight up and it's just a tube going straight up into space. These rockets are on the ground and launched straight up in the air, but they're more a glider. And once it gets into the sky, it'll pick its direction. And you can literally see it. But if you're not looking through the right lens, you'll just think that it's a plane flying through the sky. But planes don't go straight from the ground straight up into the sky and then pick which direction they decide to go in. And as they reach the chosen altitude, they release these plumes of barium, barium plumes. And then they come along with the drones and mix different chemicals in there. So NASA definitely plays its role in it all. I don't think that they have anything added into um, the fuel necessarily. I think it's more sprayers and all these different technologies to really get the plumes out there. So, Matt, the second thing I'd like to ask is you did Coast to Coast on Monday. You did the Truth Mind Reality Conference, and then you've got your own conference coming up. What do you think about your reception? Like, Coast to Coast is the biggest thing out there as far as alternative concept radio, whatever you want to call it. How did that go over, first and foremost? The show Monday night with George Nori, it went great. It went great. Um, they wanted me on a landline, so I drove an hour out of town so I could find a hotel because all the hotels in, in Sedona where I live were booked because it's the tourist season right now. It's kind of turned into a little zoo around here so people can come look at Red Rocks. But um, the show was amazing, and I was a little bit nervous because the last um, major show that I went on, um, I received a lot of scrutiny from the, the host. I guess I won't drop any names or anything like that right now for for fear of censorship, but um, I was I was kind of nervous. I was afraid that I was going to get run through the mud like I had in a, on a previous show. And I was actually very well received. 
the callers in the second hour were generally really nice and informed and just looking for some more truth. And I had um, enough airtime to drop some serious truths about health and and information on GMOs and all these other topics. So I think it went really well. And he said he wants to have me back on the show. He's identified that this experiment in, in Tucson, the geoengineering unfolding, the unraveling of the normalization agenda, George Norrie realizes and he, he claims that he knows that it's a very important thing. Hopefully he doesn't get a tap on the shoulder or anything like that to say that I'm not cool. Yeah, I was really happy to hear that you were going on that because you reached millions of people just going out live that night, let alone all the people that listened back. So that was a huge win in my book. Thanks. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be at the point where I can actually go on some bigger shows and actually be heard. Now, I met you at the Truth Mind Reality Conference, which was great, even though we didn't really get to speak very much. It was good to be able to see you in person and shake your hand. I think you went over phenomenally there. As a matter of fact, I think you were the best speaker there. How did you uh, take the conference? I was very much honored to be there. I was contacted. I, I, I believe that it was you who got me in the door, Jason, and I really appreciated that, and I appreciated meeting you and your family. You guys are awesome. You all are awesome. First, as per your request, I was able to go in there and set up a table and pass out some flyers and sell a few DVDs of my film, Franken-Skies, which you can find at frankenskiesthemovie.com. I was excited to have a, a booth, to have a table, to get some of these flyers out for the next event, for that Tucson event. But then when the event coordinator, Ivan, when he heard about um, my ability to present on the topic, and he might have seen one of my presentations online, he said, why not, Matt? We'll give you 30 minutes to present your material. Well, I was up the night before putting my presentation together because I got the heads up just a few days prior. And I crammed 97 PowerPoint slides into my 30-minute presentation. I think it went over. I think it went to 34 minutes. But I was so enthusiastic and motivated to even be there on a stage in front of a full house of awake people. You know, usually I'm trying to convince people that they need to stop looking at their phones and start looking up and start thinking for themselves. But all those people there, most of them at least, at least the, the majority I think 99% of the people there were already so tuned in and aware and awake that I could that I could convey the message a lot easier and I could curtail the speech to really stepping into the the future and the present and to talk about the terminology and the verbiage and the complete hoodwink that we're about to face and and yeah I do think that my presentation was one of the better, if not the best. I was definitely well-received and got a standing ovation. And I'm really looking forward to giving a similar, better presentation at the conference that I'm hosting this May 12th in Tucson, Arizona. Right. Yeah, that's going to be a big one for you. Now, we're going to be getting into the electric grid for the rest of our episode today. And I was wondering, how do you think the electric grid, the power plants, all those things tie in with the geoengineering program? Well, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. I have this vision that these these characters that are in charge of the Department of Energy, that are in charge of this solar geoengineering program, that they all get together and they basically plan how to control everyone. I mean, the population on Earth is going up and they're getting worried that you know, they don't think that they can control 10 billion people or whatever it may be. So th the whole plan is completely orchestrated. You see, they get behind the scenes and they say, oh, we can do it like this and let's do it like this. And here we have this. 
they have a network of power plants that release moisture because they're cooling down the nuclear reactor or whatever it has, but they can select when these moisture plumes are, are selectively released into the atmosphere. And if you've got another storm cloud going by and you want to release more moisture into it and all this stuff, it's a pivotal part of the infrastructure of the weather engineering, weather control, weather modification program that's ongoing in the United States. And if you don't believe it is, check, take a look at my film, Frankenskies. This film starts with the 1930s and it goes historically, chronologically with stock footage and shows you how we could possibly even get to where we're at. And once you can sink your teeth into how we got to where we are modern day, it's a lot easier to see that this program is realistic and is ongoing. So along with all that, as the dirty electricity and the 5G gets rolled out, you've got to realize that the nanoparticulate metallics that are being sprayed in the atmosphere, in the troposphere, those things are being zapped with EMF radiation. And not all of it's staying up in the atmosphere. A lot of it's falling down to ground level. And of course, our soil's becoming alkalinized from it and the plants are dying and the trees can't absorb moisture. And we're being affected from it, we're getting Alzheimer's and all that. And the the bees are dying off, the colony collapse disorder from the aluminum that's being sprayed. Well, at the end of the day, you've got to see that the 5G plays a role in all this too. So as the energy grid becomes reinforced with the microwave frequencies that they put in, those microwave frequencies will be used to elevate at ground level even these nanoparticulates that are being sprayed to do what, to what end, to control the minds of the populace or just the frequencies at which we live. It's up to you to, to really pose those questions. But ultimately, the power in the wrong hands is not what we need. So, Matt, does it seem to you like there is a hard, fast date projected uh, sometime in the immediate future where um, these things are actually just openly implemented? Or are there any success markers from officialdom? Uh, you can see what I'm getting at here. Are there dates on our horizon um, that are looking us in the eye right now? Well, the narrative through the control media is that the Paris Agreement has unfolded and it's all Trump's fault and that we need to meet these different guidelines of dropping the temperature on Earth or it will be doomed. And because Trump has pulled out of this Paris Agreement, we've been left with no choice but to begin geoengineering the planet. Well, the year that they say that they want to launch their normalization experiment in Tucson is this year. So as that unfolds, I haven't seen any official date, but I think we've got two years. It looks like we've got about two years. And in that two-year time frame, the – well, Congress has already signed off and Obama signed in and then Trump pushed forward the federal um, budget spending for geoengineering. So there's a federal – financing behind it, along with all that other black ops and all those private institutions and all these other people that are involved in getting their pockets filled. But at the, at the end of the day, as they look for 5G to roll out statewide in Arizona and then nationwide and all of the different dates that you see on that, and then the new, the 2020 ID push and all these things, it looks like everything is, is coming to a head in the year 2020. 
You know, I was going to add what you just exactly added. I would say two things, man. Phoenix is a place to keep your eyes on, man, that Phoenix rising from the ashes. But you brought up the smart ID, which I am now hearing, as it sounds like you have, that the rollout date for that appears to be 2020. Some of the things attached to that smart ID, um, no going into federal buildings without one, no getting onto airplanes, who knows what state to state travel will be affected by this but as we know from past experience um, your your debit card with the chip is a good example anytime more data is collected by anything they want to call smart which is basically what this ID will be doing is allowing them to collect tons and tons of data you see control programs put on the back of it but Matt I think you're spot on there bud uh, I think 2020 is a huge date to watch um, Jason and I have been asking you uh, specific questions through this and now I want to throw it over to you. There's a couple things here. You should probably identify where you will be, but what would you like to add that maybe Jason and I haven't asked you? Well, I look forward to anybody that can make it to help with the opposition to show the world that we do not consent to solar geoengineering. This is your opportunity, okay? The event, it will be streamed live. I hope to have it up on my website, actualactivists.com. Dot com And please check out actualactivists.com. It's getting some serious traction. And the goal is to turn this into a social media platform this year where we won't have the censorship that we're seeing on the other social media platforms. And I also have a daily truth that I put up there to keep people engaged, empowered, and inspired on actualactivists.com. But May 12th, the conference, which you can find out about it at StopGeoengineeringTucson.com. It's being held at the Gallagher Theater at the University of Arizona, literally the heart of the beast. Okay, People talk about the military-industrial complex. Well, it's all been merged with the education and all the brainwashing of the youth. And the University of Arizona is where a lot of this begins. These concepts of putting mirrors up in the space and to spray the skies with salt and all this other stuff. So please join us at the Heart of the Beast, May 12th at the Gallagher Theater, University of Arizona. And then if you haven't seen my film, Frankenskies the Movie, frankenskiesthemovie.com, that's F-R-A-N-K-E-N-S-K-I-E-S. Please start there. And I look forward to your full support. Thank you. Cool, Matt. This all sounds awesome. Do you have a projected attendance for the conference? 300 people. I project 300. The venue space holds uh, 350. And based on the um, paid advertisements and the tens of thousands of flyers and the airtime, even in Phoenix and Tucson on, on different radio shows and what have you, I expect there to be at least a couple hundred people there. I'll be very disappointed if I don't get, um, if we don't have 200 people because I'm looking to build enough momentum to parlay that into a protest the next day to bring awareness to the community to ultimately protest this experiment as it unfolds. Awesome. Well, since we're winding down here, Matt, awesome job as always. You're the best and we all love you. Why don't you go ahead and give out any links to all of your work? Thanks. I really appreciate what you all do. Love you guys too. This unfortunate censorship that we're that we're facing. It's, it's really, um, it's really something that's really trying times, but unfortunately I don't think it's going to get any easier. I think that we really need to resort to our word of mouth, looking people in the eyes and spreading this truth. It's not the age anymore where you can click like and share these links online because they're not getting to the right people anymore. So it's up to us. It's our duty and our obligation to, to honor the truth 
Don't hide from the truth. Don't worry about what your peers and family and friends think just because they're not awake yet. Lead them to the water so that they can drink the water. You know, the horse has to get into the water to drink it. Otherwise, the horse dies. You know what I mean? So the truth, ultimately, it may upset you, but it will set you free. So please be that beacon of light for people. And please, if you want to follow me online, Matt Landman, I have a YouTube and a Facebook, you know, censorship galore. And then find me online at actualactivists.com. All right. In closing, Matt, thanks so much for coming on again. You've stated where people can go see Frankenstein's and let people know how to find you online. But, you know, you've brought up one hell of a topic for our time. It's not enough that we have to be concerned uh, whether we have the right to be under sunshine in our world and breathe clean air. The censorship has gone crazy. And on the most ridiculous of things, even with an adult conversation like we've laid down here, there is always the concern uh, that the rug will get pulled out from under this. But anyhow, Matt, thank you so much for showing up here again and uh, informing people about the uh, condition of the skies above our head. Jason, anything you want to add before we move on to, uh, to the power grid? I just want to thank you for all that you do, Matt. You're awesome. Thank you so much for having me. There it is, man. Have a great day and we'll be in touch, Matt. So, Jason, it's great to catch up with Matt again, and it's a hell of a thing to even consider. You know, uh, I'm no I'm no youngster in the ideas of what's been going on here. It was near the turn of the millennium that I began to point my cameras up, um, and then I got big into it sometime around 2010 or 2011, where I spent many thousands of hours filming the skies trying to show people that this is not what we saw in the 80s. Um, strange times indeed that we live in. But anyhow, we're going to be transitioning over here uh, for the end of this hour and into the second hour to talk about the power grid. There is so much to, to cover and think about. And as Matt pointed out, uh, from the geoengineering standpoint, it's viewed pretty much the power grid and what we talked about for the first part of this hour hand in hand. So without much further yapping my flap here, let's go ahead and you jump straight into the power grid. Right. So let's get into the power grid. And what do we mean by that? Well, an electrical grid, basic definition, is an interconnected network for delivering electricity from production centers to consumers. It consists of generating stations that produce electrical power, high-voltage transmission lines that carry power from distant sources to demand centers, and distribution lines that connect to individual customers. You know, it's a crazy thing, Jason. As I began to do the research for this, um, one of the things that there are two things that kind of stunned me that are openly stated, and that is how vulnerable our electric grid is, is everywhere that you look at this. But what's more is the statistics on on how more frequently blackouts occur. And it's a hell of a thing. You know, here we are in the in the new millennium, and instead of getting better at things, we seem to not be getting better at things. According to the statistics, blackouts are occurring more regularly than they ever have. Well, here's the thing. The grid has been in existence for decades, and they haven't updated it. They just keep adding to it. So that's part of the problem right there. But the power grid of the United States, according to all I could find, is very vulnerable to numerous problems that could include a full shutdown and blackout on the consumer level that could last as long as 18 months to two years because of the very nature of the critical components that would need to be constructed to replace any failed units. Now, the funny thing I must point out, not that it's that funny, is that the COG, the continuity of government, seems to have very reinforced systems in place for their own uses. 
It seems to be a well-known fact that the government bodies are fully aware of the vulnerabilities of the consumer-based power grid, but the only people they uh, help protect are themselves. You know, this is a crazy thing, too. So the people in charge understand how important the grid is. So what they've done is made sure that their power will never go off. But for the rest of us, um, the same vulnerabilities on a larger scale exist, but it seems that very little is being done, um, almost to the point where you got to wonder if this is a thing where uh, it could be used as a tool. Um, in other words, if there are bad players in our world that want the world to go one way and that gets out of control, turning it off the power could be an option here. And in some ways, that's almost like if you could even imagine having the power shut off for two years, as you stated in this bullet point, it's almost like going back to the Stone Age in some ways. Oh, yeah. And I do wonder in the most conspiratorial part of my mind if there isn't an agenda behind leaving the grid just in the state that it's in. It's a it's a heck of a thing. Uh, just just the mere fact from having do, done this research where they recognize everywhere that there are huge vul vulnerabilities in the electrical grid, but next to nothing is being done. And then we have people out there like Eric Dollard, Dollard who are seemingly uh, the electronic geniuses of our age, um, pointing out all these things that were intentionally done to the grid, which seemingly make it weaker. But anyhow, man. So the one important thing I really want to get into hour one before we wrap up is a recent report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, and it found that the U.S. electric grid is vulnerable to a range of threats and called on the federal government to work with utilities and other stakeholders to strengthen the nation's power system. To quote, the electric system and associated supporting infrastructure is susceptible to widespread, uncontrolled cascading failure based on the interconnected and interdependent nature of the networks, the panel stated in its 297-page report. Despite all best efforts, it is impossible to avoid occasional, potentially large outages caused by natural disasters or pernicious physical or cyber attacks. You know, it's a heck of a thing, Jason. The last big blackout that we had when I was living in San Diego, uh, I don't remember the exact year. It's been probably well over 10 years by now, but I was using the telescope at that time. So that puts it, I guess, in the time frame of 2012, 2013. We were told at the time, and it was, I think it was near a 24 hour period without power, that some worker in Arizona or something like this had dropped a tool and brought down that much of the grid. And this really bears examination because I remember looking after the fact to say, you know, to look at what the response was and what was going to be done about it and what they were saying caused it. And just the, the basic overarching idea that really a worker in Arizona can drop a monkey wrench and the grid goes down for, I forget how many states were affected, uh, a big part of California anyhow for 24 hours. It's a hell of a thing, Jason. It sure is, and, and it's because there's a domino effect when one thing happens in a critical juncture that just keeps going and going. One of the things that struck me, too, is when you look at how the grids are mapped out, uh, in some places it appears that we share some of our grid with Canada and maybe even some of it with Mexico, but there appears to be three overarching places uh, that they look make to look like grids. In other words, you would have the east of the country, which is divided at the Rockies, the west side, which again is divided at the Rockies, and then this third bizarre thing where apparently the state of Texas has its own grid. It does, not for the entire state because it's very big, 
but a lot of Texas is on its own grid. However, it probably would still get taken out in the event of a big event just because of the interconnectedness of it all. So I'll tell you what, we're coming close to the top of the hour, and I'm going to tack an intro onto this. Do you want to do a rundown of some of the things that will come up in the second hour? Because this really is a very interested, interesting second hour. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I've got a lot of info to get through here. So we're going to go through the rest of this report, the points that they point out. I'm going to do a little back history on how the electric grid came about, and then at the end, where the vulnerabilities actually are, and we can have a discussion on how to protect yourselves. Do you think that we'll be covering any of uh, Eric Dollard's ideas in the midst of this? I watched a bunch of videos on Eric, and I can definitely discuss some of it. Uh, Eric's a very interesting individual, and he says the same things that this report does, that it's extremely vulnerable. There are things that can be done to strengthen the grid so that in the event of some sort of catastrophe, the whole thing doesn't go down. He stated that over and over and over again in quite a, quite a few interviews he's done. All right. So let's wrap up the first hour here, Jason. We'll regroup to come back for the second hour. So there it is, the first hour of episode 102 with Matt Landman talking about, I guess, what we're calling geoengineering uh, these days and then migrating over into the grid. And as Matt Landman pointed out, the 5G networks seem to be hand in hand with the the premier topic of the first hour here. But anyhow, uh, as of the posting of this episode, there will be 102 free hours of content over at crow777radio.com that do not require a login. You can just hit a page and listen to anything you want. If you want to become a member, you will be, in fact, supporting free speech. When we do episodes like this, we try to deliver it as an adult way as we can, but censorship is always glaring its ugly green eyes at us every time we talk about everything that matters. Hopefully that won't be the case for this episode, but there it is, the first hour of episode 102. Hope to see you all over at crow 777 radio.com for the full show. There it is, man. Cheers. Cheers.